Let's turn to J.P. Morgan, because after almost a decade, uh, a decade after the housing market collapsed around the country, the nation's largest banks are still dealing with the fallout. And that includes J.P. Morgan Chase, which is in court this week, defending against allegation that it's stuffed two investment accounts with risky mortgage bonds. Two insurance companies are seeking more than $3 billion, claiming the bank, that bank mismanagement caused clients to lose money. A New York state judge is now hearing the case. With us to talk about this is Robert Hockett, a professor at Cornell University Law School. Bob, thanks for joining us. Uh, can you just give us a little bit of the flavor of the allegations uh, in this case? Yeah, I mean, it's, so there have been, of course, as you know, you can kind of divide, I think, most of the litigation that's occurred since the housing crash into sort of two families. Uh, one family of cases that have been brought have been brought against um, those involved in the securitization process itself, right? So the claim is that the mortgages were the mortgage loans were improvidently uh, granted. Um, <clears throat> there was inadequate information given to potential investors when uh, particular loans were were uh, bundled together into particular uh, mortgage-backed security um, uh, issuances uh, and the like. That's one family. The other family of uh, of uh, cases that have been brought have been based on uh, claims that there was sort of insufficient due diligence on the part of portfolio managers and other managers of investment pools when it came to selecting particular uh, mortgage issues, I'm sorry, mortgage-backed securities uh, in assembling the portfolios. This is one of those kinds of cases, uh, and these have received a little bit less attention, uh, maybe because it's been, it's kind of natural, I suppose, to sort of focus attention uh, on the securitization process itself, on the sort of scandals that have plagued uh, or that did plague the uh, origination process. But the these these cases that have received a bit less uh, attention are are every bit as important. Bob, why is this being heard by a judge rather than a jury? Um, <clears throat> there's there's any number of reasons that would make this possible. I mean, the, the the typical reason that's that's given for choosing to have a case heard by a judge rather than a jury in a case like this <clears throat> is the thought that the uh, typical jury pool might not have you know, sort of adequate technical knowledge objectively to evaluate right, the, the prudence or otherwise uh, of the particular investment selections made by the portfolio managers. I think the thought is that, well, maybe the judge will be a little bit more dispassionate, uh, a little bit less prone uh, to uh, succumbing to stereotypes, stereotypical images uh, of investment managers and, and the like. Um, again, I don't, I don't know that that's uh, um, a sort of a correct uh, perception on the part of those who choose to have the cases heard by, by judges alone. Um, but but it does seem to be out there, right? There seems to be a worry that the typical jury pool is going to be sort of biased, uh, partly because they don't really understand what's going on in these cases uh, and that they're going to have, you know, sort of stereotypes of, of sort of uh, nasty sort of Wall Street investment manager types, and so they're going to be biased against them, that kind of thing. Uh, again, that, that seems to be the typical uh, concern of those who seek uh, trial by judge rather than jury in a case like this. Bob, we only have about 45 seconds, but I understand that the insurers in this case get damages only if they show J.P. Morgan was grossly negligent. That's a contract term. Yeah. Is that a standard contract ter term, and, and how hard is that to, to, of a test to meet? Well, it, it is a standard contract term, uh, and it's designed to make it a little bit more difficult, uh, of course, to, to get a defendant on the hook, right? You had to show not only that they were a bit careless, but that they were you know, sort of grossly careless, that they were almost you know, borderline uh, reckless. 
Um, that does make it look a bit harder uh, to win a case like this if you're a plaintiff, but it doesn't make it impossible. Uh, and indeed, the more egregious the case and the more the more frequent, uh, the, I mean, the greater number of such cases brought, uh, the more apt the judges become to sort of crack down and say, all right, we'll find gross negligence here. Okay, I want to thank Robert Hockett, professor at Cornell University Law School, for joining us here on Bloomberg Law.